Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. Surprisingly, he was not invited to the Bill's training camp again this year. All right. All right. Bill's Mafia, how are you doing today? Thank you for spending your Monday with me. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I'm your host, Vince Taylor. I hope you are listening to me on the built-in Buffalo podcast network where you can find new content every single day of the week hey i'm not sure you're aware of this but training camp has started we actually have real football to talk about and boy that's exciting just a little bit of football news just every little tidbit or at least for me my football juice is flowing and it hasn't really sunk in yet how close we are to playing real NFL football again, but I really love to hear about these practices. And by the way, the next time you listen to this podcast, we will already have had one preseason game played. The Hall of Fame game is on Thursday. But this week, I want to talk about some of the notes and the reports that I have heard coming out of training camp. Uh, I will also give my 53-man roster projection. I think if you do them much earlier than this, you're doing it too early. But I think if you wait much later than this, you're kind of taking all the fun out of the guesswork. So I think this is about the right time for me to start trying to, you know, guess and put one together. And it takes all the fun of it if you wait too long. I was going to talk about Aaron Rodgers for a little bit. I have some very strong feelings on him. I think that's, I'm going to let that go. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, having a half hour press conference to air your grievance while you're talking about the, the league or the team not being very um, professional. It just <laughs> it just feels like that's tone deaf. Uh, the examples he gave of people that left were mostly well past their prime and later in their careers. And, you know, he's been with that team himself. He mentioned it for a very long time. Why now? Why now? It's because of Jordan Love. Uh, he's just upset that they picked the quarterback and it's a smart thing to do for the team, but I don't want to spend too much time on Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's kind of old news. No one cares. Uh, he's, he's being a dick and he's being a diva and, uh, that's that. But what we want to talk about and what you probably want to hear about is some of the training camp notes that we've had. Um, you know, I get good information from guys like Sal, but also I tune into the shout podcast. They, they do try to go live after every practice. Um, Plus, I'm just fans of theirs anyway. Uh, but what we have heard so far, I talked about a few weeks ago, I wanted to see Greg Rousseau go up against offensive tackles. I know he gets, or he had received a lot of the sacks coming from the inside, doing stunts and that kind of thing. Um, it's not the same as what he's going to be asked to do when he gets on the field at this level. And from all reports, he is looking the part, which is super encouraging to me. Um, I know it's training camp and everybody always looks good this time of year, right? So that's what all the coaches have talked about 
so-and-so looks good, so-and-so came to the shape, so-and-so's doing all the right things, he's a beast. And you know, We've seen training camp heroes before in the past, so I try to take these things with just a little bit of a grain of salt, but I'm not immune to buying into some of the hype uh, because I want to believe in some of these guys too. So um, that's really encouraging news that I hear about Gregor Rousseau. Uh, Matt Perino is is over the moon on a, a chop move that he had that basically put Daryl Williams. By the way, Daryl Williams is a really solid right tackle in the league. Put him on his ass, made him fall face first with that chop move. So uh, that's a rookie. That's a rookie who hasn't played football and at all. Last year, 2020, he didn't take any snaps. He, did, he opted out because of COVID. So this is basically his first football action. I mean, he had OTAs too, but this is his real first training camp, I should say. And uh, going up against a really good tackle like that to make him do a face plant. I like that. I like that. I wasn't really expecting it, but it, it's, it's warming me up a little bit. Uh, Boogie Basham, the second round pick, who a lot of people thought was going to be a first round pick. He had uh, a similar, you know, jaw dropping type play this week where he picked off Josh Allen. He tipped it one handed to himself and caught it, ran it back for a touchdown. I do believe he had another one back in OTAs back in May ish. So um, that's two. You know, maybe we're seeing a trend again. This is training camp. We're not seeing anybody in pads. Uh, so it is different. Uh, I know, I believe they had pads on for yesterday's practice which was saturday i'm recording on a sunday so uh still encouraging i always want to look for people in these things that don't look good right so when i hear the beat reporters saying that so and so doesn't look good or that you know we're just not hearing a lot about somebody in particular that's the bigger story to me than all of the hype that you can buy into at this point again i'm not immune to it i love to hear too but uh i'm listening for that kind of thing i think you can take more information from that is maybe you get a lot of coach speak and it's hard to really figure out what's real and what's just spreading positivity because these guys all want to root for their teammates. Then nobody wants to say bad things about their teammates. They want to pump them up. Even if they're competing at the lower end of the roster or even for their job directly, you know, you just don't hear that very often. And you know, all we hear is positive talk. So that's kind of how I decipher some of these things. But um, Ed Oliver, Spencer Brown, got into a scrap this week. Apparently, Ed Oliver ripped off Spencer Brown's helmet and some punches were thrown. I don't give a rat's ass about that. Uh, it happens pretty much every year. I tend to think that we always make too big of a deal about those things. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again before training camp's over. And, you know, we, we have heard these things every year. It means absolutely nothing to me. I don't care if it's Ed Oliver or I don't care if it's Josh Allen and somebody you know, that's just what happens at training camp because they're all trying so hard to either maintain their roster spot or earn a roster spot. So, you know, tempers can get high, but I, these guys get over it. They're, they're friends by the end of the day. Uh, I think Ed Oliver said that we might go to lunch or something. So I, I don't care much about that fight. You know, another position that most of us had our eyes on was the CB2. Or we'd like to have our eyes on it, but we can't get there. I have heard that Dane Jackson has been pretty up and down. You know, he's the one that's got the pressure on him. I think Levi has the job. Dane has to earn it. But from specifically what Sal said, you know, he's made some plays and he's gotten beat too. So it's sort of a mixed bag for Dane. You know, he's going to make the roster. I don't think any of us doubt that. I just, I'm as much as Levi's a fine corner. You know, I, I, 
I have said multiple times that I like that Levi's on the roster, but I do think that was somewhere we could have upgraded and maybe got a little bit more athletic. But McDermott prizes Levi's tackling ability, so it seems. And yes, he gives up a ton of targets because he does have Trey on the other side. We hear that all the time. But uh, he's going to give up the catch and he's going to make the tackle and he's going to limit the yards after catch. And, and I think that is what McDermott is looking for in that spot. It's, you know, he's been part of good defenses before. And Levi's going to be the starter there. I have no doubt about that. And right now it looks like, or it sounds like is what I should say, Dane Jackson is not doing enough. Um, of course, we're, we're pretty early in the training camp and you can make too much out of a few days or a few plays. But that's where we stand right now with Dane Jackson. Emmanuel Sanders was over the moon on a pass that Josh Allen made to Cole Beasley, said he was in the league for 12 years, never seen anything like it, and his mouth just dropped. And I'm paraphrasing there. That's not a direct quote, but, you know, that's great. I like hearing that. Cole Beasley is the best slot receiver in the league, and I I think there's a gap between him and whoever the second best is. But I have a very high opinion of Cole Beasley and have a very high opinion of Josh Allen. They're going to make plays like that all season long. I I have no doubt that it was an impressive throw. I have not seen the throw, but um, you know, there's probably a little bit of hype into that statement. Uh, just as I said, trying to say positive things. You got to talk to reporters sometimes, and you want to say something nice. Um, so I, I think there's probably a little bit of that there. Maybe just because I'm a Bills fan, I've gotten used to seeing those throws from Josh Allen that they don't surprise me as much anymore than maybe somebody like Emmanuel Sanders who probably only watched Josh Allen from, you know, afar. Elsewhere in the Bills secondary, Rashad Wild Goose, who when he was drafted, I thought he would be a slot challenger, basically a slot corner to challenge Teron Johnson because, you know, Teron Johnson was not great last year outside from a couple of memorable plays. And I thought that that's what his role was going to be. Uh, but he is getting time both outside and inside, according to Sal. That's super interesting to me. I would not have thought that he was going to be an outside corner. All the scouting reports that I read uh, read that he is really physically gifted. You know, he can bite on some pay, play fakes. Tilt Money had a few weeks ago uh, given his opinion of him and says he can get a little grabby and impatient too. So I still think he's probably going to end up making the roster if they're playing in both inside and outside we know that mcdermott prizes position flexibility and we really need to have a better spot backup right now for tehran because he was not great last year and maybe that helps with an upgraded pass rush if if it does in fact translate into this season maybe that's a little different on to the running backs. I'm hearing good things about all the running backs right now in this training camp. Of course, that's what you hear. But they all supposedly look good bursting through the hole. Uh, they had a couple of long runs. Of course, they're not tackling each other right now, so that may have limited those long runs. But they all look good going through the hole. The offensive line has said to have a – they're making holes right now. Again, it's training camp, and they've only practiced in pads just for one day. But um, that's going to be a really tight battle. And, you know, I, I turned that over when I did my 53-man roster projection, and we'll talk about that here in a bit. But that's yeah, that's not going to be an easy one to make decisions on. Dawson Knox. Yes, that Dawson Knox is making some good catches. Uh, he had a really nice-looking touchdown. He was tightly covered, and Josh put that ball in there really well, and it was a great catch. Uh, that's what we want to see from Dawson Knox more consistently. It's training camp. You know, that one actually I think was on yesterday when they were in pads. 
So that's what we want to see. Hopefully he can do that consistently. Tight end university, the vision and hand-eye coordination specialist, you know, those things, man, I hope they pay off. Because if they do, Knox does have that ability to be that weapon. But, you know, it's not just his receiving, too. He has to pick up some blocking. But, uh, you know, I'm excited. I, I, I'm maybe buying into the hype just a little bit on him. Uh, and it is early in training camp, but that's what I want to see. Uh, Tommy, Tommy Sweeney had a dropped pass, and uh, Josh Allen was the first one to go over there and kind of uh, pat him on the shoulder and tell him to keep his head up. It was a drop pass from Mitch Trubisky. It was supposedly a little low, but uh, Josh Allen's out there being Josh Allen. He's out there pumping everybody up. i seen a video of him. I think he had to uh, hand slap everybody on the team walking off the field. Um, and is that kind of stuff silly? Yeah, but does it matter? I I think it does. I think it does. If any anybody listening to this had any kind of professional job in your life, you know that your morale in your workplace directly affects your happiness in your job and how motivated and how maybe even focused you are. Uh, and is it complete apples to apples for what us working class citizens do versus what NFL players do? No. But I, I think there is some value to having those cheerleading guys on the team. I, and I love that it's from the quarterback. You know, that's what you see from guys around the league. Even Tom Brady. Yeah, he'll yell at you when you make a mistake. But, you know, he'll clap. Peyton Manning, I live in Indy, and I have seen Peyton Manning his entire career. And he was all about, um, you know, he'd call you out when you were not doing things right. He would be on your ass. But he was right there to pick you up when, uh, when he felt like that was needed too. So Josh Allen is that leader. And if you think about where he was when he was drafted, this isn't new, but where he was when he was picked, just a guy that couldn't dominate college in a shitty conference who had all the athletic tools and really none of us had a, most of us didn't have great feelings about. And now he has become, first of all, runner up MVP, but that guy in the locker room, you know, I'm just, I'm more in love with Josh Allen every time I see him. And, uh, I'm, I feel very blessed and it almost, almost makes the last 20 years worth it. Uh, another training camp news, touchdown Jesus, also known as Jake Kumaro. And the reason why Aaron Rodgers is being a dick right now is turning some heads. It's training camp. Still, most of these practices have been without pads, but he is apparently making it hard uh, for people to maybe kick him off the team or just totally dismiss him. And, you know, listening to Ryan Talbot just today, Talbot's all over it. Talbot thinks he's making the roster. I I love Ryan Talbot. And lately I've been disagreeing with some folks that are way smarter than me. And I've agreed with some folks that are questionable. So right now I'm questioning everything about myself. But he he makes a good point. He was very well liked by this team. He came back after the Saints dropped him. He actually made the roster. And yes, he only had one catch. It was a touchdown. And I'm not predicting him to be any sort of regular contributor, but fighting for that roster spot, Talbot believes he's going to make it. And I don't know. I I think that maybe I'll talk about it more when I talk about my roster projections, but uh, I I, I still think Kumro is going to end up back with the Packers in some fashion. And that could mean a late round pick, but it's better that than just cutting him outright. Speaking of the 53-man roster projection, Here we go. Here's mine. At quarterback, no real surprises here. Just Josh and Mitch. Those are the only two that I have making the roster. They said 
last week, I believe, maybe the week before, that they would not carry a COVID emergency quarterback like they did last year. That guy was Jake Fromm. I am not very convinced in Jake Fromm. The team seems to like him a lot more than the fans do. I've also heard very wonderful things about Davis Webb, how he can take control of those scout team offenses and and really be the guy to kind of keep everybody motivated to move in the right direction. I think that it's likely they both probably make the practice squad, but I, I don't think either one of them are going to be on the roster. In fact, I think if Josh were to go down like early in the year, I think it's very likely that they would be looking to bring somebody else back. And if it were me, I don't think Jake Fromm offers enough because if he were to go in there, you know, this office right now is, is not a timing-based offense. It does require some longer developing routes. You know, we're waiting for Cole Beasley to shake his guy. Emmanuel Sanders will do the same thing. Uh, Stephon Diggs put on a couple moves. That's not going to be the offense that Jake Fromm works well in, I don't think. And that's, you know, Mitch could do it. But I don't see that from Fromm, and I don't really know what to expect from Davis Webb. But I think if someone, if, if Josh were to go down early in the year, they would definitely bring in another quarterback uh, that would be able to do something similar without having to rearrange the whole offense. Well, the running backs, like I said, this one is tough. And there's a lot of folks out there that are on the Antonio Williams hype train because of that one game he had against Miami. Again, Miami was pretty much giving up. I know they're a great defense. And I don't know how much you should put your faith into a guy that really only played one game. That was a great game, but this team had him on the practice squad on and off, on and off, on and off, on and off. You can make the argument that they liked him and they kept bringing him back, but he never cracked the roster either. And TJ Yeldon had a roster spot. So where does that leave Antonio Williams? I, I'd like to be able to make him on the roster. I'd like to be able to project that. I don't think I can. I know he was a good special teams player, but I don't think anyone's doing enough to take Taiwan Jones's spot right now. So my running backs, I have four of them. Motor, Moss, Brita is going to make the team. I think they went out and got that speed threat just for that reason. They're going to find ways to use him. Third and longs or second and shorts when you want to try to, you know, maybe sneak him out past the defense. I, I think he's going to have a role here. And then Taiwan Jones. So there's my four running backs. Five if you count a fullback. And yes, I am saying Reggie Gilliam's going to make this roster. I am just guessing. Now they moved him from tight end back to fullback, which was interesting. Tommy Sweeney's coming back from COVID, so he's going to be available, presumably. Tommy Sweeney's going to be back in one of the tight end roles. Trying to find a spot for Reggie, who's very athletic. He's a, I want to say, put him in the mold of a Larry Centers. Is my feel for him. Maybe uh, that's he's not necessarily as good as Larry Centers, but he does have some receiving ability. He's quicker than you think, and he can block. And the running game was very bad last year. I had not considered this until I saw this roster move, but putting a fullback back in there, maybe making the running game just a bit more efficient, that's something that should have occurred to me a long time ago because it seems so simple, but I'm not that smart. I'm just a dumb podcaster. So right now, Reggie William is a fullback on the roster. That's a fifth running back if you want to count him that way. The wide receiver group, this one, I there's a lot of heartache here. Um, I know there's a lot of people out here that have very, very different opinions. But Diggs, Sanders, Beasley, Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, 
because he is getting better. He is not the same guy we picked up off the waivers from Denver. He's running routes better. It seems like his hands have gotten better. I think spending some time in this environment has done well for Isaiah. Plus, he's just so well-liked by not only the fans, but his teammates. And uh, there's no way he's not making this roster. If he's only doing one thing, it's going to be the gadget plays, but he's also going to be doing punts because there's nobody else on this roster that has the experience returning punts that he does. Um, And that's not a large, large sample size, but that's the best that we have right now in, in punt returns. Joe Marino's not very high on him doing these roles because he thinks he has uh, the shaky ball handling traits. And that may be true, but that is something that can be improved on, I think. So he's not going to be a top end speed guy, but he's very agile. I I like him in that role. I really, really wanted to put Stevenson here because I want to think Stevenson will be our best kick returner. And I can't make room for him. I think he's going to go on the practice squad. And uh, I know that outside of Austin Prohl, they've rostered every draft pick that they've made in this regime. That doesn't mean it's always going to be like that going forward. I, I still have to put Stevenson on the practice squad as much as I liked him and I'm rooting for him. That's what I would like to see. My prediction is he goes to the practice squad. And the last receiver in this group, Isaiah Hodgins. Um, I'm not putting Jake Kumaro on the team right now. I think most likely scenario, they're going to flip him back to Green Bay for something cheap. He's going to get a fifth, sixth, or seventh back, probably a sixth or a seventh. And uh, I know the team likes him. He made the roster last year. There is some value to him, but given our wide receiver room right now, I think that, that that's probably the smarter way to manage the resources. I think Brandon Bean likes to think that way. So that's my prediction on the wide receiver room. Again, Diggs. Sanders, Beasley, Davis, McKenzie, Hodgins, six receivers total. On to the tight ends, Dawson Knox, he's going to have a roster spot no matter how much we're with him. But like I said, I'm I'm feeling lately a little twinge of optimism, and I'm probably buying into the hype, and, and I'll probably eat these words later, but I'm hoping that this is the year he puts it together because if he does, he's just that much more of a weapon for this offense. He's just as athletic as any other tight end in the league. Jacob Hollister, who is not practicing right now, along with Jerry Hughes, but he is going to, he's safely going to make the roster as at least a number two. There's still probably a chance he can end up the season as a starter, but I think he's a number two. And Tommy Sweeney, who's a fine tight end, doesn't do anything exceptionally well, but he's pretty good, solid all around in all areas of the game. And, uh, you know, he's been on the team before. Last year we lost him because of COVID. I think... The move to move Reggie Gilliam back to fullback was directly related to Tommy Sweeney projecting to make this roster. So I think those are your three tight ends, Knox, Hollister, and Sweeney. On the offensive line, I kept 10. And I'm not surprised if there's another move here that I'm not foreseeing because this is this is a good group of offensive linemen. I don't think we have any super league-leading standout players, but I think overall it's just a good collection of talent, and I'm hoping that they can get it together. Uh, I'm still a little concerned about the middle. You know, Mitch Moore seems to be hit or miss, and we can talk about the run scheme from last year, but with the addition of a fullback, maybe this makes all the difference. But Mitch Morse, Daryl Williams, Cody Ford, Deion Dawkins, John Feliciano I think is going to start. 
I think they gave him that money so he could start. He may not be on the roster after this year. He may even get benched, but I think for right now, he's the presumed starter. Spencer Brown, there's no way he's getting on the practice squad. He's going to be a starter in a year or two. Now, some people have theorized that we're moving him to guard. I don't see that. I, I think that'd be a waste of his talent to put him at guard. He's going to be a tackle. And I don't know what that means yet. Does that mean that probably Darrell Williams gets traded or cut in the next year or two? But that's what my guess would be. Tommy Doyle is another athletic freak, just a huge tackle. I I do have serious concerns about him getting on the practice squad because I think that's a guy that somebody else would swoop up and basically treat as Spencer Brown. So he's going to stay on the team. And uh, I don't I don't see a way around that right now. So I'm going to put Jim Bates on because of his flexibility. A lot of people think he is the backup center. He played center of a couple of years ago in a preseason game. But generally, he's been a tackle, but he can play guard too. So he can really play all the spots on the line on both sides. That guy's valuable, and he's worth a roster spot, even if he never starts a game. Just having him around in case, you know, break glass in case of emergency type player that guy, you know, there's a Bates Hive out there, and we all want to see what he can do. But, man, those tackle spots are really blocked up right now. His path to playing time has got to be on the interior. Ike Bacher, who I thought was the better left guard last year, I felt like things were just a little bit better when he was plugged in there at the end of the year. He's likely not going to be the starter, but I have a hard time cutting him. I believe he's going to make the roster no matter what. Uh, and of course there could be injuries and that kind of thing, but I'm going to put Ike Bacher there, um, at left guard. And I'm not surprised if he ends up starting over Cody Ford. And, uh, I, the 10th offensive lineman I took was Forrest Lamp. He's cheap. He's got some talent and, uh, he, it's, it's very likely that he ends up making the roster along with Cody Ford. We know right now he's in the mix for a starting spot. But he's also fighting for a roster spot. It's not a given. I think he makes the roster, but he doesn't necessarily get to start. So my 10 offensive linemen, Mitch Morris, Daryl Williams, Cody Ford, Deion Dawkins, John Feliciano, Spencer Brown, Tommy Doyle, Jim Bates, Ike Bacher, and Forrest Lamp. That's my 10. So we'll jump over to the defensive end room. I had said on this very podcast a long time ago that I did not believe Mario Addison's job was safe before he was restructured, even after he got restructured. Now, Justice had that same opinion not that long ago. He got tore up for it, but I think it's going to happen. I think if you look at the numbers, something has to happen. It doesn't have to be a cut. It could be a trade, but I think it's going to be a cut. But my five defensive ends are going to be Jerry Hughes. He's not playing right now. He's out. He's a veteran. He's got a calf strain. I'm not worried about Jerry at all, nor should anybody else. Jerry's going to make the team. He's going to be the starting defensive end on one side on opening day. On the other side, I think I'm going to put AJ Epinenza. He came on strong last year, even though he was playing in a very rotation heavy setup. He was making plays. We don't have to play with his weight this year. He's going to get some preseason time. I think he's got a ceiling of like an Aaron Schobel type player, like that B level pass rush. That's always very solid. And I think that's what we got there. That's what I'm hoping to see. I hope I'm right, but that's my prediction for him. Gregory Rousseau, obviously first round pick is going to be safe. Boogie Basham, second round pick is going to be safe. And you know, I'm going to make people happy with this pick. 
and it's not a given. I think he's still really fighting for a roster spot, but he is cheap. And you like his story, and he was successful last year in a rotation-heavy defensive line out there in Carolina. I did not know this until recently, but he can also play on the interior, but he's going to play on the outside. So I'm going to put Effie Obata in that five spots. Jerry Hughes, A.J. Epineza, Gregory Rousseau, Boogie Basham, Effie Obata. A lot of youth there. I've heard that we keep Addison on there because we are so young. I say that's what Jerry's there for. We don't need we don't need Mario. We don't need two veterans. And this isn't trash Mario. Some people think he played better than his stats might indicate. I'm open to that idea. But right now, just given the numbers, something's got to happen. And it, it's not going to be easy. Something's going to happen on this defensive line that's going to make people question things. And for me, it's Mario Addison being cut after he just restructured his contract to stay with a lower salary. That doesn't mean his job is safe. The story should be, if either him or Vernon Butler get cut, that they didn't do enough to keep their job because they thought it was safe. Now, remember, they made that restructured deal before the draft, and I don't think they were expecting to get a second defensive end in the round, well, in the second round, because Boogie Basham was there. So, I think the writing's on the wall. I mean, I I think it's very logical that he's gone. Again, the five defensive ends, Jerry Hughes, A.J. Epinenza, Gregory Rousseau, Boogie Basham, Effie Obata. On to the interior defensive tackle spot. Obviously, we know Stars here. His contract is just way too big to cut him. We'd lose money by cutting him. And I like the fact that he took last year off and seems to stay in shape, maybe even in better shape. Uh, so let's see how that works out. His job is really to be an anchor. So to see him lose that much weight, at least he visually looks that way. I don't know what his actual weight is, but um, he's back. Let's hope that turns into a 2019 pass defense. Of course, Ed Oliver will be there. I'm banking on Harrison Phillips with this projection to be the backup to star. I was very excited with the Harrison Phillips selection when he was taken. He was one of the strongest. I think he was the strongest person at the Convine the year he was taken. He was in some mocks projected to go the later first round. You did see his name pop up there. We took him in the third, which I thought was great value. He's been hurt. He's played well, very sporadically. Now, I think this is kind of the get it together year for Harrison Phillips. If he has an injury, it's going to really devastate him and the team, but I'm rooting for Harrison. He's a fan favorite here. I, I think he gets it together. He looks beefier as opposed to star who looks thinner. So I, I think he's going to get that backup role. He's going to be the primary uh, backup to that one tech spot. Vernon Butler just took a resection to be here. I think he's kind of a tweener. You know, he, I don't really know which spot he belongs in, but I, he may, he was fine last year in some plays. I would have rather kept Quentin Jefferson, but Quentin didn't want to take the pay cut, and here we are with Vernon Butler. And Justin Zimmer, I had a hard time cutting. I don't know. He's just going to be a rotation piece player, but he's faster than the other defensive tackles, it seems to me. And that's what he brings to that spot that the other guys don't. Now, speed's a little bit different when your job is to be strong, but, you know, Zimmer's no slouch in that department either. He's a big guy, and he made some plays last year. In fact, he was a practice squad guy who turned a lot of heads once he made the team, if you remember that Cam uh, Newton fumble. That's Justin Zimmer making that play. And he's he's got some talent. Um, I like, I'm like. i not quite sure how much playing time he's going to get, but I like the fact that 
he should make the roster. I am predicting that he does. So my five defensive tackles, Starla Tule, Ed Oliver, Harrison Phillips, Vernon Butler, Justin Zimmer. On to the linebackers. And now we didn't use a lot of linebackers last year. We were usually in nickel defense. So I have us keeping five. That seems a little high, but I don't know where else I wanted to make the cut. We have Tremaine Edmonds. We have Matt Milano. A.J. Klein will be there. Uh, Tyrell Dotson actually played well in a couple of games when he was filling in for Milano. He's he's going to be a valuable backup. I'm I'm very confident in saying that. And then Tyler Matikavich is a special teams pretty much only player. You know, he's really lumped in with the linebackers, but I don't think he's ever really going to play linebacker. So there's my five. Edmonds, Milano, Klein, Dotson, Matikavich. On to the cornerbacks. I decided to keep five. I don't think there's any real big surprises in this group. I don't think my five is going to necessarily make everyone shake their heads or be completely surprised. But obviously, Trey White, I think that guy's pretty safe. Levi Wallace, probably the starter opposite Trey White. Dane Jackson's going to be the primary backup. We have Teron Johnson in the slot. And I added Rashad Wild Goose. I don't think, I think he's going to grow. And I don't know how much playing time he's actually going to get, but he's probably the fastest guy out of those five. And what if what I'm hearing is true, where he's playing inside and outside, I think that's valuable. He's probably going to end up being the primary backup slot corner. So I'm putting him on the roster, maybe even a guy over a guy like Saran Neal. Uh, so that's that maybe is a little bold. But White, Wallace, Jackson, Johnson, Wild Goose. And really the last position to talk about is just safety. I'm going to go Micah Hyde and yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to put Jordan Poyer on the roster. I think that I think that's smart. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. I'll put Demar Hamlin in there if he's supposed to be the next Dean Marlowe backup type player. I like that. And then Jaquan Johnson. He does play special teams. Not sure how much safety he's going to see, but he'll at least get there on special teams. So that's four. And of course, the special teams: Tyler Bass, Matt Hawk, and. Dank's best friend, Reed Ferguson. So that's it. That is my entire 53-man roster projection. That was the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. On the hot seat this week, we have EJ Daniels. I I enjoy discussions with EJ. He, you know, he's not a guy that you're always going to agree with, but he's at least able to bring out good discussion, and I do appreciate his ability to be critical. Also... Newest member to the Built in Buffalo team, T. Estelle, one half of the Not Your Average podcast in the 716. Really great conversation with her as well. Uh, a couple of extended hot seats this week, so uh, I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, the Mafia Hot Seat. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat, a Built in Buffalo production. Tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. Ladies and gentlemen of Bill's Mafia, first up in the hot seat this week, back for the second time, we have EJ Daniels. EJ. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Vince, I appreciate you uh, having me again on the hot seat. I, I salivate every time I get a chance to get on the hot seat. Man. 
Oh, you're too kind. You give me way too much credit. <laughs> but I want to make sure I give you a chance to plug your work as well. So why don't you tell us where we can find your work? So first and foremost, you can find my work at coldfrontreport.com. I have various articles. We just throw it up, threw up a, a YouTube video of us talking about, you know, Jerry Hughes and his contract situation and how he'll shake out his roster positioning, all of that. So YouTube, Cold Front Report on Facebook, Twitter, all of that. And then uh, PFF Bills, that's the uh, Twitter account I run for PFF. Um, I just put out a post actually today about Tremaine Evans, you know, having a lot of tackles for loss and of, uh, and of no gain. So go check out that tweet. But that's where you can find most of my work. I actually was just looking at that. Yeah, I did not know that. And so that's why I tweeted it out when I saw it. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to get sidetracked, but I want to talk about that because I, yeah. I, I say this all the time, and I don't know if you heard me say it, but when it comes to Tremaine Edmonds, you in, in Bill's Mafia specific, you either absolutely have to love him, but if you try to be anywhere measured, people want to read that as you hate him and you're negative. And they always want, well, he's young. Well, he's young. I know. I know he's young. But – I just don't see it. Now, I've, I I think Bruce had that stat some maybe a couple weeks ago or so. I'm like, it was surprising to me. So tell me, where did you mm -hmm. find that information? So uh, we're just responsible for tweeting out, you know, all of the PFF articles. And so I was reading the top 32 linebackers going into 2021, and he was like number 24 or something like that. But the article started off, his portion of it started off with, there's only one linebacker that has more tackles for loss or no gain. Then Tremaine Edmonds and it's Bobby Wagner. And I was like, wow, I did not know that. Oh, and that's in the last three seasons, too, which was even more impressive. Yeah. So, I mean, just to along to your point, the issue, I, just to not get sidetracked, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Tremaine Edmonds. You know, the thing with him is just like his processing skills and speed. You know, that's his biggest issue quickly processing things. If you look at the Levante Davids, you look at the Darius Leonards, Demario Davis's, these guys process information very quickly. You know, and then they go and they attack and they read and react. You know, Tremaine Edmonds, that's where he struggles. And then when he does do that, he misses a lot of tackles. In that same article it was talking about, he has like some one of the highest missed tackle rates, you know, in the last three seasons also. So that is where Bill's Mafia, you know, issues come in. It's just like, yeah, you can get there. Yeah, you have all this athleticism, but we need you to do the things that are very the very basis of being a great linebacker, which is read and react, read and diagnose and tackle and he struggles with that but you know maybe he'll get better he's up for a contract and you know how players play in a contract year so hopefully we'll see some type of improvement he'll actually earn that pro bowl status that he's gotten yeah i'm pro bowls mean very little to me i don't uh, really care exactly about exactly but um i would have to believe that the majority and i i don't have the stats in front of me but remembering what i saw from him last year and of course he was hurt too those tackle for losses had to come from the first two years and not last year like last year just you know uh i don't remember seeing that much from him last year at all like i felt like he was just a guy now athletically he is very gifted he can mm -hmm. he's got good range he can go sideline to sideline and i thought that he was good in coverage but i'm probably wrong about that because i get challenged on that a lot and uh uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm with you because you can even see his indecisiveness when the, when the play is developing. You can see him take a different step. You can see him be a little hesitant. So maybe you're right. That probably is the most important thing for him going into his contract because I don't want to give the guy a giant contract just because he was a first-round pick. 
Mm -hmm. I want to give you that contract because you've earned it. And I don't, I feel like we're trending that way. And it, it, unless he changes, I'm not going to be super happy about it. Yeah. And you know what, Vince, uh, long years in your same point, they're going to pigeonhole themselves into giving him a new contract, no matter how, how uh, bad or good he plays this year. Why? It's like you said, like you let off with, because he's young. That is exactly why they're going to give him a new contract because they don't want to risk him going to somewhere like the Ravens or one of the, or, or, uh, the Steelers or a team like that and being an all pro linebacker. They are not going to take that risk of having him go to another team and be an all pro linebacker where he could have been that same like same linebacker for the bills. And so they're going to live with all the missed tackles. They're just going to bank on him getting better. And then when Fred Warner just signed his new deal, Tremaine Edmonds is going to be looking for a deal similar to that. And I'm going to be with you, Vince. I'm going to be pissed if they give him close to what Fred Warner got. Cause he is not half the linebacker that Fred Warner is, but. You know, it's all about the market and, you know, what the market commands. So we'll see how it shakes out, though. Yeah, I actually had a rant about that on last week's pod, and you're hitting <laughs> all of my points exactly. So yeah. I, I think sometimes you get criticized a little too much. Um, Who, me? I get, you say I get criticized a lot? Yeah, I think you got some some critics out there. It, it's, uh, it, I find it's, that it's because – now, I appreciate your thought process. I'll put it that way. I appreciate that you're not always, you can look at things a little bit more objectively. Um, I think maybe sometimes you overcorrect, but I'm always willing to listen to what you have to say because I'm usually not too far from you. What well, what do you mean by overcorrect? What do you mean by that? Um, I feel like maybe you, I'm, I try to be more measured and I'm not too high or too low. I, I feel like sometimes maybe you can be a little too critical or too harsh, but I oh. follow your reasoning usually very well. And my thoughts are not, always so so far from yours the, the thing is though to your point i don't i personally don't feel like i have uh, any critics to be quite honest with you people do come at me i will agree with you there but i don't really have any harsh critics but my thing is is just like you said i look at things from an objective point of view so i'll give you an example we talked about it last time i was on your show um Tredavious White is not this lockdown corner that everyone in Bill's Mafia says he is. So how does EJ know that? EJ went back and watched every snap he took in 2020, right? So he played all right. I say that he's six through 10. He's not top five. Top five corners means like I can put you on anybody and you're going to lock that person down. I mean, every corner gets beat. Obviously, we understand that, you know, and then he also plays in a scheme that, you know, suits his talents, but he's not like a man cover corner following the best receiver and making sure he doesn't, you know, catch 10 passes he's not a guy like Xavier Howard that's leading the league in picks two out of the two two years you know out of the, what, the four or five that he's played you know he's not turning the ball over like that he he had six interceptions one year you know what I mean but it's not like it's a consistent thing for him I like Tredavious White but I mean he's not a consistent he's not a top five corner in my opinion so stuff like that when I challenge against the bigger guys when I challenge and when I say stuff like Josh Allen is an elite quarterback when I say stuff like uh uh, Stephon Diggs is the best receiver in the league. That type of stuff garners me criticism because it's like, how can you say that? How can you possibly make that notion based on the seasons that they had? You just got to look at their seasons in, in totality, stop, break it down, understand what mitigating factors are around these seasons, and then break it down. I mean, I'm only going to give you what I've, I've I've watched and what I've studied, you know, and then I'm going to give it to you. What you do with it is up to you, but you know, that's that's really my only thing. I I, I watch film and I kind of try to help people out. But sometimes they try to hear me and sometimes they don't. Well, sometimes people don't want to hear what they don't want to hear. But exactly. I do think just because, you know, Trey White's not the most gifted athletically as a corner. And 
just because he's a zone corner doesn't mean that he's not necessarily as effective as a guy like Xavier Howard. Now, if you're going to make Trey White run man, yeah, that's probably not going to work out too well for you. Exactly. I, I don't think I don't think the inverse is is false either. So just because you have to be more athletic to run man and keep up with receivers for longer periods of time, I feel like it's a completely different skill set for a zone corner. And just because you're athletic and you can be man doesn't mean you're always going to be great at corner because it's a different read and react. It's a, it's more agility than it is top end speed and knowing, you know, kind of having a little too intuition and reading the quarterback's eyes. So there's some subtle skills that go in the zone that maybe you don't necessarily have to have in man. That's just my feeling. I mean, that's a great feeling and that's exactly what it is. There is, I, so so I bring I brought this up before um, to a, on another podcast and I thought it was very telling. Um, Stefan Diggs was on I Am an Athlete with uh, Jarvis Landry and they started the show off by asking, "Who are your my top podcast?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and I and they asked him and they said, "Who who do you think who you guys said uh, are the top three corners in the league?" Stefan said, "Gilmore, Humphrey, Ramsey, right?" And so then he went into saying, "Oh." You know, when you're a corner, you know, I have the most respect for the guys that are just following you around, the guys that send man, not the guys that are just sitting back there in zone and, and catering to your skill set. Now, that's what Diggs said. And so I'm sitting here like, man, that sounds awfully familiar, like a cornerback that Buffalo has on their roster. You know, and, I, and that's obviously not coming from me. That's coming from somebody who has played with a corner. That's a zone corner, as you just stated. So, I mean, if your teammates are also saying, like, uh, you can't be a top, five or top three corner if you just sitting back there in zone like what am i supposed to do with that vince well i don't know i i exactly i, I, I have exactly. my own feelings it's too tough. but yeah I, it's tough I, I i i trade did have it down here there's no doubt like last yeah. year he was hurt i sometimes i think that's a, a blanket excuse that we can use for everybody but it matters it, it can matter um but no, last year wasn't a great year for him. Even even back sitting back in zone, and I don't know why, but it felt like there was more completions going over to his side. It felt like you were chasing some folks down from behind. Um, but I'm not worried about it. Like I, I yeah. Trey's an excellent corner. He's going to get together, and maybe you want to put him in the top five. I don't really have a problem with that if you're ranking him four or five. But to me, maybe he's you know you say six to ten. I'm I'm saying six seven. I don't really want right. to go that much I don't higher have than any, that. Yeah, I won't. I won't argue six or seven. I like Tre'Davious White. I was the one, and I always remind people, I was the one who put that tweet about about him leading the league in interceptions without giving up a touchdown. That was me, Barry, the first one. Before all these national media people got on it, I was the first one to do that. So I was following Trey White, and I have very high expectations for him, but he has not met those since that Texans game where he really didn't play the way I thought he was going to play against DeAndre Hopkins. And then the culminating into this year where he had some good moments and he had a lot of bad moments also. So, well, he I shot mean, hop down for a one full half. Okay. But the game did all of his work. In the second <laughs> half. I mean, that deep play he let hop get, that was a big play in that game. And like I said, if you're an all pro corner, those are the plays that you can't give up. There is one telling stat about good corners. They don't give up 20 plus, 10 plus yard, I mean, 20 plus yard completions, you know, even not even just one, one 20 plus yard completions is the difference between sealing a win and getting a touchdown for the win. Like those are big 
completions in that game and he gave up one i mean, granted this is one of the best receivers in the league right now but i mean if you're that guy and you go up against another guy i i, I don't know I, i'm not giving you any leeway y'all both all pro level players you gotta win and that's what simply what it comes down to player versus player and he didn't get it done and that's simply what it is well you know the sun shines on a dog's ass every now and then <laughs> <laughs> Uh, AJ, that's uh, that's great that's awesome uh, thanks for uh yeah. you know leading me down the rabbit hole there but let's go ahead and get started so yes sir 10 questions which one would you like you were the first one to go this week all right um i am going to go with number five okay which rookie is going to have the biggest impact for the bills this year because i don't know that any of them are but which one's going to have the biggest impact um well, I'll start with the rookie that's had some bloods the first day, first two days of camp, and that's Boogie Basham. You heard today that he had he picked off Josh Allen, a batted pass for interception for a touchdown. He was the most pro-ready defensive end that they took out of him and Rousseau. Um, he was pretty solid in college. Uh, he has a nice NFL body, got some uh, positional versatility. I think he will come out, make an impact at more than one spot. See, that's the key. He can play inside. He can play outside. He might not play any one tech, but I could see him on some snaps spelling Ed Oliver at three tech. Definitely could see him playing some five tech and some or some wide nine tech and getting around some left tackles. He did all of that in college. So as far as impact for rookie, I think it will be Boogie Basham because he's been the, he is the most pro ready out of all the draft picks that the Bills have taken. I I think that's probably my pick too, but. I just wonder how many snaps he's actually going to end up getting. Mm -hmm. And that defensive line, that hold it, that's that and wide receivers is going to be some tough decisions come camp time. And you got yeah. Obata there. Of course, you know, Epinenza's job is safe. He might even be the likely starter because I don't think Addison's going to be around. But uh, there, he's probably got the best path to making a difference. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's all. That's exactly what it's about, your path to the field. And he has a path to the field. If you look at last year, the Bills last year rotated a lot of bodies on the defensive line, so I don't see them, you know, differentiating for what they've done already. They just added more help on that offensive line. And I was telling somebody this the other day. Addison really didn't play as bad as people are saying that he played. He had a lot of flash plays. And I think it was what it was is that he tapered off towards the end of the year. But if I, I, as looking at his season in totality, he actually played pretty solid for what the Bills were paying him. But, you know, I think that Boogie Basham will be able to get some snaps away from Addison, get some snaps away from Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes is a great player, in my opinion. Um, I think he'll, he'll play both sides. And that's where I think, you know, his path will come because of his versatility. He can play left, right, left defensive end, right defensive end, three tech. He'll be able to contribute from all, you know, portions of the field. And the Bills may... They may have something reminiscent of what the uh, Giants had. Remember when the Giants went to the Super Bowl, they had, you know, Tuck, JPP, Michael yeah. Stray, and that crazy type line. The Bills may have something like that going, you know, brewing with all these first-round picks, second-round picks, and Epinesa and Addison and Jerry Hughes. They may have something like that go on. Well, I mean, from your lips to God's ears, EJ, let's make it happen. <laughs> uh, I, that's I'd like, like – that's like, that's like best case scenario though. It is, but that's yeah. me being optimistic. Yeah. I don't, I don't think 
I mean, Groot's not nothing, but I, he mm-hmm. feels like he's more of a project player. I know a lot of his stacks came from the inside when he was running studs. Yeah. And that's not, to me, that's not the same thing as being a tackle and getting a sack, which is really what you have to do from an end in the NFL. So absolutely, I'm hearing from guys like Sal and Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot that he actually does look the part. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to hear that. Uh, and then, of course, we've heard all about Boogie. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Rashad Wild Goose ends up taking the job from Tehran. It's they, yeah. That, it, it could I, I, happen. I'm not holding my breath, but I don't think it's. Yeah. I, I don't think it's completely closed off. Yeah, uh, I had put out an article actually on coldfrontreport.com and wrote about you know Tehran's season in its totality. I basically was saying that you know Bills Mafia seems to remember only two plays, but you have to remember the totality of his season where he was pretty much garbage, you know, for more than half the season. And then he kind of put it together, you know, those last couple games. And I said, since the Bills run the most nickel, last year they ran the most nickel in the league. 90% of the time they were in nickel defense. They would stand to upgrade the nickel position, like you're saying. So it's not out of the realm. I mean, that, you know, Rashad Wild Goose, you know, could take that slot corner role. You got Dane Jackson that's fighting with Levi Wallace for cornerback two. We already know about cornerback one. And so where is Goose going to play in reality? You know what I mean? So it's only slot corner snaps that are left to be had. So if, you know, Rashad Wild Goose shows something in camp, I can see him also being in a rotation with Teron Johnson so they can get some type of more athleticism at that spot. Teron Johnson, he's, he's a solid player. He actually has, you know, a top, I think 10 coverage grade in the slot since he's been in the league. But I mean, when they go up against those better teams, when you go up against guys like Tyreek Hill, you have to cover guys like him in a slot. I mean, you're going to need an upgrade at some point in time because teams are just going to start picking on him. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I clearly remember the times that I'm sitting in this very room watching the Bills cursing his name <laughs> individually because he's given up a long catch over the middle. Or you know, it yeah. happened. It happened a lot last year. And and you're right. I do feel like there's a lot of people who remember those two big plays, um, and you know, kind of the reputation he, he built for himself. Maybe as a rookie, we maybe pumped him up a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, I thought he was going to be this. I wanted to to uh, compare him to uh, Bob Sanders, if you remember him in the Colts. Now, I know he was a yeah. safety, but Bob mm-hmm. just didn't care about his body. Yeah. Bob would lay it out every game, which was why he was always hurt. But he was a great tackler, and he you know had the coverage skills. And I thought we were getting that out of the slot with him, but that doesn't it didn't really work out. So Wild Goose might have a shot to take that. Yep, no question. Wild Goose was a solid player. In uh, at Wisconsin, he actually played outside corner at Wisconsin. And um, PFF's Mike Renner is like was a really big proponent of uh, Rashad Wildgoose coming out of the draft and think that he could be a steal. And when the Bills got him, I was like, man, you know, this guy could be something. Like I said, he played outside corner uh, at Wisconsin, but he played in his own heavy scheme at Wisconsin nonetheless. So there is some transferable traits that he can have. And like I said before, you know, Teron Johnson definitely has a, t- a high coverage grade since he's been in the league. I think, like I said, I think it's number 10. But, I mean, I don't think that's going to get it done. You know, you got to have a solid, solid guy in the slot these days with uh, as many three wide receiver sets as being uh, deployed, many spread sets. When they got big slots and you got guys like Travis Kelsey being able to dominate from the slot, line, you, you got to have some type of upgrade. So hopefully Rashad Wild Goose can do that. He's played zone a lot, so he's pretty good in zone. So, you know, hopefully he can, he can show what he can do in preseason and earn himself some slot snaps. 
And he's he ran a four four one. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I knew he was pretty quick. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we covered it, and then we covered a little more. So. Yeah. You got anything else for me? Uh, nothing really. Just um, we're just gearing up for training camp, and we we're just watching to see what's going on. I think I read some interesting articles yesterday from uh, the Bills Wire about um. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott's uh, press conferences after their thoughts from camp about how they're just not going to let guys like Cody Ford and guys like Emmanuel Sanders just automatically think that they have going to have roles on his team. They're going to have to go out and earn these roles or guys like Gabe Davis who think, you know, because I had a good year last year, like I don't, I can't worry about a guy like Isaiah Hodgins coming in, you know, and taking my spot. Also, I like the fact that they're fostering a culture of competition at pretty much every level and nobody's spot is guaranteed. So, you know, that's something to definitely look for these camp battles that are getting ready to start brewing. Yeah, that's, it's, it's exciting. And like I said, the defensive line and the wide receivers, and of course, you know, there's Dane and Levi too, but mm-hmm. uh, to me, I don't, I don't have a strong enough opinion on Dane to really have a horse in that race. I just really wish we would have found some way to upgrade from Levi. And that's doesn't necessarily have to be a knock on, on Levi. He's a fine corner. I just felt like we could have done better. It didn't have to be the line or a corner. We could have done both. Yeah. Uh, I've been on the record of saying that too. Like I wanted to get, you know, Asante Samuel Jr., at that uh at, with that first pick mm-hmm. or another corner maybe greg newsome somebody get up uh, upgrade that cornerback too i have been pounding the table all draft off off season to get upgrade cornerback too and you could have still took boogie basham in the second round and still been in the same spot but again as i said before you know the bills thought or the bills uh, brain trust thought that they needed to get you know better at pass rushing and get better pass rushers and so if you're going to do that, and if you really think that's the issue, then throw the kitchen sink at it. And you see that method is working for a lot of teams where they just throw the kitchen sink at re- throw the resources at ki- the uh throw the kitchen sink at resources. So the fact that they did that is 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 very uh, telling to me that they think that this is going to be you know what puts them over the top. So if they felt that way and they doubled down on it, then I'm anxious to see what fruits come from these decisions. Yeah, I and like. 12 other million people right there with yeah. you. EJ. But all right, EJ Daniels over from the cold front report and PFF bills, giving us a few minutes of his time. EJ it's fun, man. I always enjoy talking to you. Yes. We, we, we think quite the same Vince and I love it. We do. And I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> uh, I, I will say though, I, 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 I appreciate people who try to pull back a little bit. So I never really get too high. Or really too low. I've, I'm always trying to be somewhat kind of measured. And uh, that's what I appreciate about you is you can take a step back and look at things objectively. So um, I, I, at least I love li- listening to your arguments. I will, I'll say that. So always a pleasure though. This has been fun. Let's do it again in the, you know, maybe sometime next month or so. Just let me know Vince. So you know, I'm here. All right, man. EJ Daniels. Have a good night. You too. Bills Mafia, I am excited to bring you the next guest tonight. She is one half of the Not Your Average podcast in the 716 and one of my newest teammates right here on the Built in Buffalo Network. 
She's so great at what she does. She's got such a smooth delivery. Misty Estelle, how are you doing this evening? I am so good. Like I am outside right now on my patio recording. <laughs> so well, I'm great. Tell us how we can find your content. Well, I am on Twitter, um, Natural Average Podcast and 716. Um, Estelle, I'm on Instagram, um, Natural Average Podcast and the 716. Same thing. Same thing as on um, Facebook. So, yeah. If you type that in, I am there. <laughs> and that's <laughs> easy enough. But it's your, it's at T E E S T E L L. Yes. Right? Okay. Yep. Okay. T. Estelle, newest member of the Built in Buffalo team, and it was a wonderful pickup. I'm glad she's here. Uh, if you're not familiar with T, get familiar with T. She's got just a really great delivery, and she's easy listening. So it's also not her first time in the Mafia hot seat, so she's no. an old vet. <laughs> I am, and still nervous. <laughs> Why are you so nervous? Well, there's you didn't had you listen. It's, you didn't had some um, champions, some like some guys on here, some vets on yeah. here. So, you know, I got a rep. They do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> true. I guess true. <laughs> all right. I have 10 questions written down in front of me. You can have anyone you like, except number five. Ooh, I think the last time I did seven, I'm going to do 10. Okay. All right. So, in your opinion, we're going into training camp and we're getting into football and real football. And you're hearing football stories from guys like the shout podcast and Sal and all of our first level media sources. But in your opinion, what area on this team is the thinnest, which area would not be able to withstand an injury? I guess, would it affect the most safety safety? Um, yeah. Because we have Micah Hyde and uh, Poyer. Who do we have behind them? Um, was it um, Neil? Saran Neil, right, is behind them, I think. He's, he's, I don't know if you remember if he's listed as a safety or, but he's been flirting with being a corner too. But okay. yeah, Jaquan Johnson and then the rookie, DeMar Hamlin. Right. So if one of those players go down, I'm a little nervous because we don't have a lot of experience behind that. And also too, they play great off of each other. They're a pair. Mm -hmm. I would be very nervous if either, like, I don't remember which one went down. Was it um, Poyer went down for a bit, maybe just a little bit or half or something like that. I mean, not a lot, not like it caused us any, um, concern or nothing like that but i would be nervous if if um one of those guys went down i would i would really be nervous yeah last year we had dean marlowe who you know yes he's not like an a-lister but i feel like every time he was in the game his name was called he was making right. a play here or there and you know i i just appreciate about them like he it was just like okay you're up and he's in the starting lineup or he's mm -hmm. you know on the field for a few series and he's He's doing things that he's, you know, uh, he's being noticed. So right. I don't know that we have that this year. Like Jaquan Johnson is maybe more of a special teamer. Uh, and doesn't so he get hurt a lot though? Because I, uh, he, he goes full force and he, and his body is, his body type is not 
like he's on a on a on, on a slim side and he's his body type is not i guess he goes full force and he gets injured because of the way he plays like he plays hard so i mean I, i'm a little nervous about him being like the the next guy up for you know so i don't know i don't know but i i'm i'm really shaky on the safeties yeah and then you know for everybody that wants to really anoint damar hamlin the next big thing because yeah well i still caution to say okay i mean it's it, he's he's still a fifth round pick we can like him mm-hmm. but the odds probably are not in his favor but you know it could happen right um and, right. and yes it happens a lot where we have fifth and sixth rounders end up being you know starters and even stars um it's not the norm you know right right so, yeah um, I'm, I, I hear very good things about him. I don't have a very strong opinion about the Mar Hamlin. I hope he doesn't see a lot of time this year. I'd rather, like you said, have Boyer and Hyde starting and not have to worry about it. And also too, they're, they're like, they're good as, as keeping their body, you know, in shape and doing what they need to do off season. So, and, you know, and I don't even like to talk about injuries and stuff because I don't like to jinx, jinx the guys, but I mean, we haven't had too many crazy stories about our guys which is a good thing because i think um the guys the trainers that they have in the facility is doing what they need to do like prior to you know sean mcdermott and um brandon bean you know there were issues but i think they put their money where it needs to be and is helping these guys out with their training so you know which is good yeah that's a great point i mean if you want to go back five years you know, and the training staff that we used to have, like, I just, I, I feel like we were always having silly little injuries that were mm-hmm. affecting things. Yeah. Right. For sure. I don't know. Yeah. Brian Cox Jr. Might be down right oh, now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can't think and of that anybody was, else. What was that? Voluntary? Like, right? That was, yeah. um, he came in, was it the first day? Maybe. I, I don't really remember. Yeah. But uh, he wasn't probably going to make the team anyway. Right. But yeah. It's just sad to see for a player on the first day to go down like that, you know, and, you know, their hopes are making the team, even though it might have been slight of making the team, but their hopes was I'm going to come in here and produce, even if I don't make this team, maybe there's tape on me. Well, there's going to be tape on me so someone can see me and I can go to a different team. But that didn't even happen. He got injured, so it's it's just sad to see. Oh sure, I mean they they work their entire lives to get to that point, and I mean they're not not everybody's uh, uh, a boogie basham, right? You're not going to get picked right. and, and get a spot in the roster guaranteed. So you have to work extra hard. Then you have to beat those guys. And then you lose that opportunity in a in an OTA. By the way, doing the right thing, trying to mm-hmm. you know, make a name for yourself. So it is it's very disappointing for those guys. I would think. Right. And yeah. uh, it's, I mean, it's just one set of, I got an invite. I got an invite. I can, I can at least get someone to pay attention to me. And mm-hmm. then uh, I'm on the practice squad. I'm on the practice squad. And then I'm on the team. I'm on the, so it's just like baby steps all the way up to get to where you want to be. All right. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, that's a tough load, you know, it's a tough load for him. So, I, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, working that hard and then first day and, and you go out, it's gotta be tough gotta be tough yep so let's just hope that Poyard hard 
stay safe. Yes, and please. And COVID-free <laughs> and injury-free. And uh, we get back to that 2019 pass defense. Yeah, still in COVID. Like, I, I would have thought after this season, we would have been at least not the mandates that we've had last year. You know, they're loose. And also, too, it's training camp. But, you know, you're going into that season and thinking, all right, we're not going to have this season, you know, next year. But, you know, still here. So, yeah. Oh, you know that I can go off on a big rant. I have really strong, <laughs> powerful feelings about that subject. And I've already alienated enough people by getting it out there. So I'm going to remain silent on that. No, I get you. <laughs> I, I get you. I mean, we talked about it on our podcast, too. And we said, me and Mike said, this will be the last time we talk about Cole and the vaccination. Because we both land on different sides of it. So, Ooh. and we Ooh. respect each other it- for it. Is that on today's pod? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. He's vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. He's not. So, yeah. And, you know, and we understand and we respect each other's um, right to do that. So, you know. You guys are sure. better people than I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all good. It's all good. All right. You have anything else for me, T? I do have a question for you. I had wrote down something. I said, who would you like to have dinner with? It could be dead or alive as a foot is football related. Well, I'd like to be alive if I could. Not you dead. (laughs) (laughs) The person. (laughs) Hmm. You know, I'm, it has to be football related. Okay. I'll give you, you, it doesn't have to be. Okay, I'll give you one, but let me get the first one off. I'll give you one okay. of each. Um, Robin Williams. Mm. Because good Robin, one. I like that one. Um, because he was one of those guys that was like I, I think sometimes people that have that really, really high level of intellect um, are often really funny, but they often like have like just they're just so smart, but they have that depression issue too, which is obviously, Mm -hmm. but I just feel like he would be, have interesting conversations with him. Maybe not even uh, outside of comedy. I just feel like he would have a lot of smart things to say. So let me ask you, did you watch the Mark and Mindy show? Well, that was just a tad before my time. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I am familiar with it. All righty. Cool. I just showed my age. It's all good though. (laughs) Well, I'm in my early forties. So I, I, was probably on the tail end of it, but um, no, I, I didn't catch that. Okay, cool. A girl never tells her age. <laughs> and I'm not asking. I know. For all I know, you could be in your 20s and you're just... You, and I am. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, all right. On to the football one. The football one. Let me think about this for a minute. Um, dead or alive, like... Uh, I, I, I can come up with five real easy ones, but what's wow. the one that I really want to talk to? I mean, I, I just love Thurman Thomas and I, I think it has to be Thurman. Uh, I okay. don't, he probably has nothing to say to me, but I would just be all fanboy. Um, I'd want to ask him about the bills in the locker room. I probably would work up the courage to ask him about his helmet. Mm-hmm. I, I understand oh. that he was sensitive about that for a long time yes. and his teammates tried to like, 
poke him and, and you know and he didn't take it well but i would probably do that uh, at the end <laughs> mm, you should email drop a dm or something you never uh, know i tried I actually wanted him to do an intro for the show <laughs> he, oh really he, yeah he won't respond <laughs> oh because, i mean steve taster is like he does he does stuff was it um bb does stuff um who else does stuff what's another one somebody else i i was i i listen to a lot of podcasts that's my thing like i don't steer just one um network i go across the board me you too know, buffalo content is the best so i just go and listen to a lot you know so yeah yeah and we i i think we, you know and i've listened to other contests and other um content and other um like football related content and I, I have to say honestly and no bullshit like we are top notch for sure and we're getting better yes yes we are we are all right t let me flip that one back at you okay um i thought about it today and i i said barry sanders yeah tell yeah. him that he's the second best running back to come out of oklahoma state <laughs> I, I wouldn't tell him that, but yeah. <laughs> you know, you were really great. I really did. You know that you're the second best running. Back? Yeah, I would never yeah. say that. You're like the best guy. You know, the best guy, the best running back to come out of Oklahoma State. I would never say that he wasn't. Um, but well, I would Thurman, just ask him. Thurman came out of Oklahoma. Oklahoma yes, Oklahoma yeah. But you and 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 I went back and watched. Um, they had something. I think it might have been Thurman's. 3030? 30, 30? Did Thurman have a 30-30? I watched something with Thurman uh, Thomas. I think he did. Yeah. It was maybe yeah. him and Barry Sanders. Right. And they're I friends. Went to, and, yeah. Right, and yeah, yeah. And they're friends. And Thurman Thomas helped him and everything. So um I would I just I love Barry Sanders. I love the way he ran. There's no one that I can honestly say then and now runs like Barry Sanders. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, he didn't need a hole. He didn't need a fullback. Right. Back no. in his day, everybody had a fullback. Like Right. And we it, talked it, about that on the pod today too. Speaking of that fullback situation because um Reggie Gilmer, Gil, Gil, Gillian, yeah. Gillian is now a fullback. We talked about that that Buffalo Bills had a fullback until just last year. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So yep. they went last year without one and then they moved him back. Makes me think they're probably going to try to use one this year because Brian Dable's got something. Maybe he thinks it'll help the run game. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think to me that would mean his chances of making the roster are improved. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You just, you just slid him over to a roster spot and opened up another roster roster spot. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be so, some tough decisions there on that team. We are, yeah, and we're gonna have, and I said that today that we're the people. Some people that we love may not make the team this year, and we it's a lot of lot of um, fans are gonna be disappointed. And you know, when that list comes out, we're gonna be like, who, what, why did they make the team? You know, so there's a lot of players that may not make it, and fans are gonna be upset about it. But that's a good thing. You oh know, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, all during the drought, 
you know, we would fall in love with some player, some obscure guy at the end of the roster, and he would be our guy, and we and and that guy would end up making the team and probably being mm-hmm. a starter, you know. And this roster is just so stacked that, like, you know, that's probably what it more should be is like, okay, we love this guy, but where are you going to go? Sorry, maybe practice squad. Right. Yeah. Right. Let me ask you a question too, and then and, and you can you can let me go. How do you feel about the running back um, room? I I'm a big motor guy and oh, you're uh, with me. <laughs> yep. I you said you like Barry Sanders. I think that what we have in motor is a lesser version of Barry Sanders. Mm-hmm. So they have that same agility. They motor's tougher than he gets credit for, I think. He runs a yeah. little tougher than people want to give him credit for. Um, of course we know he doesn't have the front end speed, but um, you can't tackle that guy in a phone booth. I think there's a lot of similarities to me between what Barry did and what Motor did. Now, I'm not comparing them to say it's they're their equals. I'm saying he's a, he's like a low rent version of that. Right. Um, and I last year waiting on Zach Moss to show me a signature run didn't happen. Really didn't happen. Now, yeah. the same reasons that I use excuses for Motor, they apply to him too. Mm-hmm. But um but Singletary's shown it to me. So I would rather him be the lead back. Honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. Moss is going to be the lead back. And so Singletary is going to end up being that screen or the long yards type guy, or he's sharing those kind of duties with Breeder or something. That's, that's what I think is going to happen. For me. um, I, when I read the article that um, Ty, Oh my God, the guy from um, Get, get long podcast, Tyler Dunn. Yes. He was explained to um, explain to us that um, motor didn't know how to run. He was just running. He would catch the ball and run when he went off season and had his coach, his running back coach. And they taught him how, you know, to lower his body and, you know, use his arms and how, how you should, you know, use your arms in order to help you run. I was just like, okay. And that was, one and two season one season two now he's going into this is third season right yeah this is yeah going to his third season he bulked up a little bit he's um consciously trying to do something to better his run game i as as and, and i don't know anything i'm just a fan but as a gm you see that and say okay maybe i'll take a chance on him still because there's been taught that he can he can be traded, and I'm just like, would you trade him? <laughs> trade this guy? Is the value out there for Motor to be traded? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think we're going to give him a second contract, and he's got two years left yeah. on his deal. Somebody else might want to and see the value there, but I think if you traded him now, you'd be trading him way below market value. Mm-hmm. You'd be uh, selling low and I don't know it would make some sense on the roster crunch if maybe you really wanted to sp- find a spot for Brita but I'm with mm-hmm. you I, I wouldn't want to I-, I just I like motor I want him around because I-, so. I don't see Brita here after next year I don't yeah. one year deal know. for yeah. pretty much the league minimum and that's you know that's it you know. yeah Yep. What are you okay. gonna do? 
Well, I'm just a fan. I could just have to sit there and watch, and then I could absolutely talking to this microphone right here and voice my displeasure so everybody can hear. <laughs> we got to do this again because um, I like your take on Aaron Rodgers, and I know you can go all all in on that, and um, and I can too. So, T. <laughs> That's gonna be one of my topics this week, but you left me all alone in the group chat. You let me, you let me hang out to dry all on my own. No, but I mean, I, I, I felt what you were saying. I got you, but I also understood the side of Aaron Rodgers, though. I, I, I he is a queen, <laughs> definitely. The way that the approach was not cool, but I understood if I'm. I've been in this for, what is it, 14 years? 14 years, only played 13, right? And you're not letting me in on any of your decisions at all and letting people go? I, but the players he let go are not, they were all at the end of their career. They're all yes, in their 30s. Sure. Some of them were done and washed up. Like, I don't even know why he brought their names up because I felt like that was hurting his argument more than it was helping him. Yeah, but, it, Cobb. I was like, "Wait, oh, you want Cobb back? I mean, how long you played with this guy?" And he's well, he's towards the end of his season, right? Of his of uh, career. Yeah, he's got to be in his thirties by now, I would think. Yeah, but Randall I mean, Cobb. Like, I'm like, that's Jordy not Nelson, a good case for you. One yeah. year with the Raiders <laughs> was. I mean, say what you want about Derek Carr. I'm a little bit higher on him than most other fans are. I I think he's pretty decent, uh, but you know put up like 700 some yards there and get cut, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Like he was clearly at the end of his career. Uh, Charles Woodson, I think had, I mean, a couple good years with the Raiders, but man, he was 30 something at the time he was released. But uh, that whole narrative that he was crafting at the podium was to make him feel better and look better. Like it didn't even feel like it was very well crafted out. Like, yeah. are you telling me that, he didn't give his decision. He, he had a voice, but he doesn't get the choice. He, he told them what he wanted. They disagreed this and they said, well, we want to get younger. That's gotta be exactly what happened. It's just a, I know it's just a total mess over there and you have your wide receiver. He doesn't. And what, what you cannot blame him. You can't blame him. Someone asked, would you take a pay cut? Would you take a, a home call, a home um, discount? And he's like, no, can you blame him though? I wouldn't blame him. No, well, I'm not taking it. You mean no. Aaron Rodgers? No, um, Adams, Dante Adams, Devonte, yeah. I'm sorry, Devonte Adams. Mm -hmm. They were. He was asked, and he was like, "No, I'm not." Would you? Well, did I mean? Rodgers has a lot of money, even outside of football. So if Absolutely. he really felt this way, he could give some money back to make room for others, mm -hmm. like Brady did. Um, you know, there's things that he could have done too. Now, right now he's just throwing the entire organization on blast and he's got another contract where he's going to be here for four more years. He's not oh, making four? it. Wait, wait, wait. I, it was a two plus two, I believe. Okay. Two. Gotcha. So, okay. and he, and he might not finish the contract, but you know how it goes in the NFL, but, mm -hmm. um, he is throwing the entire organization on blast right now and he's yeah. airing all the dirty laundry and he's talking about them being professional. Well, you're hurting the team right now by doing this more than they ever did before because yeah. now they're having questions about whether they're seeing you act like an ass. They're seeing you're talking bad about the organization. Maybe I'm a free agent. Maybe I instead of don't want to catch passes from Aaron Rodgers, 
maybe they'll go catch passes from Josh or uh, Russell Wilson. You know, I'll yeah, find right. somebody else. But. Right. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was just um, you went from not showing up, don't don't want to be in the organization. I will never play for you again to I need a press conference saying that this is what I wanted. They're not here. I don't want to make the final decisions. I just want to be in on the decisions. So it's just, it's like, it's, it was just chess. That's it. That's all yeah. it was. I have a hard time believing that they didn't at least listen to what he said. Like, no, Aaron, you're out of here. Bye. Like, and by the way, most of those people that were released were on a different GM and a different manager team with the Packers. Right. Exactly. So, right. I don't know. It's to me and that whole coach and everything. Yeah. It, it was narcissism theater. That was all that was. I'm going to craft well, guess, this narrative and you're going to buy into it because I want you to. Right. I guess at any time, I, I mean, I don't like, I don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, with his family and stuff like that, but we hear stories at podcasters. We hear stories, content, contact re- creators. We hear stories about, how's in ass, how he cuts people off. And, you know, so is this, this is just another thing with him. So, you know, he, he got, he got his money, but they did offer him more money, right? Well, he, he, he got more money and initially turned it down. And said, oh, that's not about the money. Then they, they upped it again. He's <laughs> like, okay, I'll sign that. <laughs> so I, it was, it was about the money. It was but... about the money. <laughs> the money and decision-making. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. But, you know, what are you going to do? That's Green Bay. We're Buffalo Bills fans. C- couldn't be my team. Like, I am so tired. Well, I, I was so tired of having all that shit happen to us and watching other teams across the league be like, I wonder what that feels like. And now she was on the other foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is much better. This is much better. Yes, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Feels good. All right. TSL, newest team member on the Built in Buffalo Network. Woo-woo. So excited to have you aboard. Really sincerely mean that. You are Thank great you. At, already making great addition to the team. Um, if you've not heard the wind chill factor from this past Tuesday uh, with Justice, TSL was on there and she killed it Thank along you. with Jake Jordan. So go back and listen to that. And we have to have you on the round table we have to i will <laughs> consider it but um <laughs> I, you guys are out of my league you're out of my league no never that <laughs> all right t enjoy the rest of your night thank you you too Bills Mafia, that is all I have for you this week. Somehow, you made it all the way to the end of another episode, so pat yourself on the back. That's not easy to do, but I owe uh, Miss T. Estelle an apology. They did offer Aaron Rodgers a two-plus-two deal. He did not sign that one. He's essentially just got another two-year deal, but it looks like the cap hit next year is going to be like $46 million. Uh, so I'm sorry about that. I was incorrect. Until next week, please be kind to everybody around you, wear a mask, and squeeze somebody close to you. Go Bills.
Where do you come up with this shit? If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cry ass. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. It's over. Go home. Go.